Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Welcome back to another edition of the Internet's most dangerous Tottenham Hotspur podcast. It's Wheeler Dealer Radio. Spurs are on a break, but there's no rest for us. The most responsible podcast on the Tottenham Internet. Uh, We're back to discuss stuff. There's no game this week, but we're going to figure it out as we go along. Um, But before you do that, don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes or Spotify, which is kind of like a trophy for us if you think about it. So I think we deserve it. Um, Returning to us this week straight from a film festival dedicated to Hungarian mumblecore films shot entirely on the iPhone. It's Ben Daniels. Ben, how are you doing this week? I'm doing pretty good. I just want to quibble with you. They don't have iPhones in Hungary yet. It was a Nokia flip phone uh, festival. (laughs) Razor, a Razor festival. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) How was it? I mean, not real. I didn't actually do that. (laughs) Got it, got it. Um... On that note, uh, it's also, I would be remiss if I did not point out that um, our comrade-in-arms, Brian Ashlock, is in an undisclosed location this week and unable to join us. We hope that uh, the ATF doesn't find him, and he is back with us next week. Uh, ben, I guess the first thing and the natural thing to talk about after uh, No Spurs this week is how excited are you for the next part of Dune? Oh, baby, I cannot wait. I am... How many popcorn bucket covers are you going to buy? I mean, I only have one penis. So, like, <laughs> how many do I need? I mean, I guess, right, you like you need one while one is being cleaned. So I guess I'll get two. So, yeah, two. Well, how many are you going to get? <laughs> how many can I get is the real question uh, here. Well. Um, you know, just as many as I, I, it's one of those things, like I see it and I think it's really stupid. And then like, I'm going to go into the movie theater and if they're selling it, like I'm going to think you're really going to buy it. <laughs> <laughs> like it's cause it's easily the dumbest thing I'll ever spend my money on. Like, I mean, I don't say that you've spent money on, I've bought some pretty, pretty stupid shit. soccer jerseys. <laughs> so, you know, like, you know, I have a child. There's some really stupid like toys I bought too. So, you know, but. Who knows? I'm I'm very excited to see Dune. You know, um, to to walk the golden path. I'm very I'm very excited for all of that. So, um, speaking of the golden path, what what a transition. Um, Ben, I, I'm kind of curious where the pendulum is because I think after uh, the Wolves game, which you weren't here to talk with us about last week, a lot of Spurs fans were very ang out, or at least like frustrated with how things have been going lately. How's the pendulum doing these days? Have you have you are, are you longing for the days of our practical serial winner Antonio Conte? <laughs> yeah, uh, absolutely not. I mean, the Wolves game was stupid. Like, it was stupid. We the first goal especially was a very stupid goal to have happened. We were very on top, and then you know the second goal was a good goal. Um, I swear, did I really not talk about this? I feel like as I'm starting talking about to talk, it in Slack, but not in real life. Uh, I feel like your your description of the first goal could also apply to the second goal. We were 
I think very on top for like the five or however many minutes before they made that breakaway, you know? Yeah. But like, I'll say that was a good break. Pedro Neto is very good. It's a good cross. Like, it, you know, he, that was fine. Like had the first goal not happened. Like that's a thing that happens. If you commit everything forward, sometimes you get sucker punch like that. But like we were so on top through that second half that it's, it's a stupid game to have lost. And yes, I'm Both sure games are in yeah. different ways. I'm sure in the aftermath, I would have been, you know, a, a, a lot more strident and angry in, in my commentary on the pod, but it, I, it has receded into the distant past. My memory, a week off does a lot for the pendulum. <laughs> um, you know, I, it's, Look, it is still a rebuilding year. We're still getting things together. We still have absences. We still have players we need to buy to really make this squad in, in Andrew's image. Um, you know, I, I'm i annoyed because I heard a lot of chatter after the match. Like, oh, Gary O'Neill has been at Wolves for, like, even less time than Andrew's been at Spurs. And, like, look how good they're doing. It's like, they're way below us in the table. Like, yes. they're not, like this is a stupid, <laughs> stupid thing to say. Um, so whatever, like we're fine. I mean, I think it is both true that this game showed some of the problems that Spurs have, which is we are not as adept as we'd like to be at turning our possession into dangerous chances. And also, like you said, this is a rebuilding year with a squad that is, you know, a lot of guys who were hurt, a lot of guys who missed, like we missed both of our fullbacks in this game. Um, a lot of the guys who have come back from injury, I think just aren't firing on all cylinders yet. It was just, you know, it's a stupid game. Shit happens. Um, you know, I think there's like, you know, if I was a coach, I'd have lots of stuff to like yell at my players about, but like, I don't know. I remember Pochino's first year. I remember, you know, the early years of AVB. Like, I mean, there's just, you know, there's, the, the early year of AVB. Um, there's, you know, but I mean, there's growing pains and, you know, a lot of the stuff, there's a lot of conversation about like how practical does Ange need to be? I don't know. Like I, I'd feel more if, the, if this game happened the way it did and like Pedro Poro and Udogi were playing a fullback, I would maybe be a little irritated about how we did it, but I don't know. Like it's just shit happens, especially when the squad isn't kind of, you know, fit for purpose as it were. Um, I mean, the bigger picture right now is that just the last two months of Spurs have been fairly uninspiring. You know, we've picked up a few wins over mediocre teams, drawn some games that were frustrating, lost some games that were frustrating. You know, we haven't really played like swashbuckling, inspiring football. And I think that's the thing that's kind of hard to swallow when you talk about a rebuilding year is we got into the swing of Ange Ball so quickly and it was looking like a very exciting style of play. And we aren't really seeing that. And so At least not, for 90 minutes. Yeah, it's very much in fits and starts. And so like, we're not pragmatic, but it's not because we're playing like naive swashbuckling football. It's just because we're not really clicking. And that's the frustrating part. But And, and I would have two things in response to that. One is... I think some of the other teams that have been doing injury, suffering injury crises, like Newcastle, like Manchester United, they'd love to be playing the kind of football we've been playing. Maybe not 
I mean, United fans are real sickos, and frankly, they've been picking up way more points than they deserve. But, you know, they have, I think we have been playing much better than Manchester United this whole season, and even the last two months when they've won all those games. Um, but, you know, there's that. And then there's just, I think my other response to that is, if there's anything I've sort of picked up on these last two months, I've become a bit more... Um, it's funny because you hear about pragmatism a lot from Spurs fans. And in terms of roster construction, I have become sort of radicalized into Ange Ball for the last two months in terms of like, I'm not interested in pragmatic solutions anymore. Like, yeah, I understand if like two fullbacks go out, maybe you need to play Ben Davies there. But like, I don't want to put Emerson or Ben Davies as our backup fullbacks anymore. Like, go get people who can play the way we want to play. Like, I am. Like, again, like, you, you've got to go two injuries deep. Like, okay, fine. You've got to do what you've got to do. But I am very much, like, I'm I'm not interested in making do anymore. And I understand your Spurs, there's a level of pragmatism you have to accept. But I'm not interested in seeing, and this is not an indictment of Emerson. It's just, like, I, I want players who it can. Is. I mean, it, it is. Should. But like He's just, he was terrible. Yeah, but my point is, part of the reason he's terrible is because he's just not suited to what he's we want not, to do. He hasn't been suited to any te- anything we yeah, want to right. do. Yeah, you're right. Backs. He's not suited to this. He's not suited to fucking football. He's but not my good. my point is, let's go get guys who can do what we need and ball to do. Like, if, if we're going to do this, let's go get guys who can at least approximate what, like, inverted fullbacks look like, what our midfielders need to look like. I'm just like, you know, Within reason, I am done with pragmatism. Like, we need to go get guys who can, you know, who can duplicate what our starters do to some extent, or at least, like, play in the same ballpark uh, in terms of style, if not skill. Yep. No, absolutely. I think another part of the the fatalism that people are looking at is they've got their eye on that, like, horror stretch in April where we play Newcastle City, Arsenal, Liverpool back-to-back to back to back and like yeah that's kind of daunting but like Newcastle have not been good for a while and before that we have six very winnable games and you know it's it's scary when they're all clustered together like that but what it means is we have a pretty good run I said this last time and included Wolves as part of that but like we have a good opportunity to pick up points now and make a push for the Champions League this season but you know, I think until we get through, if we get through these next six games and are still sitting a distance off the top four and we haven't played well, you know, then I think, sure, it's time to kind of maybe feel a little nervous. But, you know, I think getting anxious about games two months from now is not practical or sensible in any way. So, and, and- Frankly, like by then, who knows how we're playing? Because I feel like a right. real problem that we're having right now is these guys just aren't clicking. And I think that's, you know, that's understandable. We had like half the fucking team out due to injuries. And, you know, in a way, I think before all these guys started coming back, while we desperately needed backups, it was like, you know, the guys who were playing had a system and they were clicking and there was a rhythm to it. And now, like, you know, yeah, Madison's better than what we were throwing out there. Um, you know, Basuma helps. You know, there's, there's guys who have in theory, improve on it, but they're just not firing or integrating or whatever in the way these other guys sort of were or could. And, you know, it's just, it's going to pick up as the season goes on. And you hope it's going to pick up as the season goes on. I still think, I know Villa really put it to him this weekend, but I still think we're a better team than Villa. Um, like, yeah. 
certainly we have a higher ceiling than Villa, I think. Um, you know, I'm not impressed with them by any stretch of the imagination. So, like, you know, I don't know. Like, I, I'm reasonably happy with where we are. I think it's important to remember, like, you know, what things were like that first year under Pochettino. I mean, I know we have learned this past week that Mauricio Pochettino is a humongous fraud and, you know, a bottler. But, uh, and you know, you look at him and Harry Kane, you really got to wonder, like, are Tottenham the problem or was it them? But, um, you know, like, Indeed. it's important. It's important to remember that, uh, you know, we, it, it's, it's still a transitional process. And, you know, we, you know, I think those first 10 games of the year got us all a little bit maybe more excited than we should have been. But, you know, that's what we're here for. That's what Ange says. How did you feel uh, watching uh, Chelsea lose to Liverpool this past weekend? Yeah, so just before I get to that real quick, I just want to say, the vibes yeah. around the squad still seem good. And that's mm-hmm. really the tell. Like, you know, yeah. the fans can get ugly and the fans can get stupid because that's what fans are for. but. Until the mood in the clubhouse looks toxic, looks like people are not playing for the manager, have have they've lost faith in what Ange is trying to put on uh, on the pitch? And I don't really care that much about the fan mood. Like I still feel pretty positive about the way the club is pulling. I mean, uh, we haven't done anything like. I mean, it's not like we're putting something out there and City's just like uncorking one on it. You know, like as bad, like you know, as much as we. Like, I'd like to see us play better against a team like Wolves. Like, there hasn't been any... I feel like even when we haven't played well, there hasn't been a performance where you're like, oh my god, like, what the fuck just happened, you know? Like, Yeah, Brighton is probably, like, the worst experience we've had where they just shellacked us in a way that was very The first Raiders game, too, where we almost won and still looked like fucking dog shit, so... Yeah, but that, I mean, besides the Chelsea game a really long time ago, we haven't really gotten our asses kicked by anybody, and that's something. Um, speaking of Chelsea, uh, <laughs> it, yeah, I, I, I was so, so relieved <laughs> uh, that Liverpool pulled that off, because, you know, Chelsea played very well for most of that match. Oh, and I, I disagree with you there. I feel like Chelsea was eh, and then like the last 30 minutes of regular time, they like like that's probably the best I've, I've seen. I, I'm not going to say I religiously watched well, Chelsea. That I, was the best I've seen them look all year. Liverpool didn't play very well for a lot okay. of the game. Chelsea, I, I would say over the first 90 minutes, Chelsea were the better team. And when Liverpool got that goal ruled out for offsides in a manner that like has never happened before and will never happen since. <laughs> it was just sort of like, oh my god, like we are so cursed that this is going to happen for Chelsea. Um, and then Liverpool played them off the park with a bunch of children. And that was so funny. That, that was... was beautiful. So, do you think when I first saw, and we're so we're obviously watching the American feeds and we're not hearing Gary O'Neill or Gary. Gary Neville, <laughs> Neville, thank you. Um, Gary Neville, uh, live. Um, but when I saw those comments, uh, my immediate thought was like, "Oh, Pochino is not going to be there next year. Like that's it. Like that is." I feel like he's in so much trouble. Like I feel like he was in trouble with that result. And when he said that, I was just like, "Oh my god, he's he's so fucked right now." Like, yeah, I, I mean, what blue billion dollar bottlers or billion dollar blue bottle, whatever it was, yep, yep. is just. Yeah, that's dead man walking talk. It's it's close enough to their problems and with enough English tabloid bullshit that it's like, ooh, like it's crisis at Chelsea time, baby. <laughs> like, 
Yeah, and then Pochettino immediately went to a very defensive language, you know, in the press, and obviously the press went very aggressive, like, are you still going to be here? How's the project going? And he was, oh, you know, you have to take it up with the owners. I'm fine. It's like, that's you never want to have to give comments like that. That's, well, at least he didn't feed the fire of, you know, in after the match with any issues he's having with the owners. At least that didn't happen. Um you know, not giving them a handshake or whatever that bullshit was. I don't know. How do you feel about, like, I don't know. Like, you look at Chelsea. I don't want to turn this into a Chelsea podcast, but I do want to dance on Mauricio Pochino's grave. Um, how, when you look at what's going wrong at Chelsea, how much do you lay at Pochino's doorstep? I don't know, because I think earlier in the season, they were playing well and not getting results and i feel like the culture at chelsea has prompted a sort of panic in the managerial um decision making department that has made them worse trying to get quicker results and that's the kind of thing again to take it back to where we are now at spurs is there is a really beautiful pressureless environment for Ange to not have to compromise anything and just say, it'll take time. We'll get there. It's fine. And no one is worried about it. I think, I, I think Pochettino, you know, he was a victim of Nico Jackson, not being able to, you know, hit the broad side of a barn in games. when they were like very comprehensively the better side. Um, and that just dug them into such a hole in, you know, with their fans, with the media, with the owners and whatever that like they're, I don't think Pochettino can dig his way out of it. And I think he looks like the sad guy who, you know, left the team at Spurs after the Champions League debacle. Uh, you know, he just doesn't seem like a guy who is like capable of digging them out of it. So that's the kind of thing I, I would definitely lay at his feet. But like, I don't think tactically or whatever that the way he approached setting up this team to start this year was like inevitable that it was going to lead to this. You know, he is saddled with a bunch, a bunch of square pegs that he's trying to put into round holes. Like, and that, you know, is a hard thing to accept for a team who spent that much money, but he's never been a guy like, you know, you look at his time at PSG, he's not a guy who's just going to, Galactico his way through it. The, the the kind of atmosphere he needs is a club like Spurs where he can get the kind of guys who want to buy into his system, whatever. It's like Chelsea was just a bad fit from the jump. Uh, and I think in spite of that, he did a pretty good job until it's now very quickly become untenable. And I think it's not going to last. I think it was always going to be a hard job because you almost needed a start like Spurs to buy yourself the breathing room um, that you needed a place like that. Because, you know, you look at that team. I mean, I don't know. My, my like, gut reaction whenever I look at that Chelsea team is, like, they need, like, two or three veterans in that team to, like, calm everyone down. Like, they need a Hoiberg or, a, you know, someone. Like, like I know they've got, we'll like, sell them a Hoiberg. <laughs> yeah, well, we would. Um, yeah, like, let's 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 buy Gallagher off of him, sell him Hoiberg, and like really just make all my dreams come true. But um, you know, it's like it's a team that is like the roster could like you are just held back if you're a manager there. But like I don't know, it's like 
so much of what made Pochettino good at Spurs for all the tactics stuff is like he just built such a good atmosphere there. And I know they're on like it's so much more pressure and it's so much more immediate timeline and the money just fucks everything up. But like it just seems so bad. Like the vibe seems so bad compared to like everything he had going at Spurs that it's just like, I don't know, man. Like Pochettino seems like a guy who like he expected that promotion, didn't get it, and it's kind of ruined his life ever since. And he's never recovered from it. Yeah, I genuinely like feel bad for him. I like No, fuck him. I know I know we're all like fuck him, like you know, dancing on his grave, whatever, but like he is a man who gave us the happiest times we've ever had as fans. And I genuinely loved that man. And just seeing his hangdog expression and just looking at him, it's just like, yeah, it's sad to see someone that meant a lot to you turn into this. You know, it's not entirely, you know, he's not entirely blameless in the situation. This is, he did take the job at Chelsea. But, you know, as I said at the time, like we rejected him and we rejected him several times afterwards when he tried to come back, you know, it's not, it's not like he had an open door at Spurs that he chose not to walk through to go to our rivals. He was like running out of job opportunities and it's, he made his choice. He made his choice, but like, it's sad. I find it sad to watch because like, I don't know where he goes from here. I'll tell you what's sad. Like he's going to go take a mid-level job and it'll probably go better than this. Like I think taking, I think t- taking that Chelsea job was a mistake on a multiple levels. I think that's a poison chalice. I think that's a very hard job to make work. And I think, you know, he should have known that's going to poison his relationship with Spurs fans, which like, you know, clearly we didn't want him twice at least. But, you know, like I was talking to someone, like I was in some conversation on Twitter this week. And it's like, you know, when Mauricio Pochino shows up at White Hart Lane for a game in like 10 years, like, you know, even if he just gets fired at the end of the year by Chelsea and has no success there and goes on to be, like, really good at, like, I don't know, Athletic Bilbao or something like that. Like, it's not going to be the same reaction he would have gotten if he'd, you know, gone to Aston Villa or Manchester United even. You know, like, it would have been, you know, when he shows up, like, it, it really did, like, erode something that was very special. I don't know about you, and I know I'm, like, a bitter ex who like uses that to really get over bad emotional experiences. But like, you know, seeing him at Chelsea is really like, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not, I don't look at him the same way I used to. And that's not like, I'm not saying that is like, I've made a judgment on him, but I just don't feel the same way about him that I used to. And that's sad. Cause like you said, like I have definitely experienced my happiest moments or virtually every happiest moment I've had as a sport, as a Spurs fan because of Mauricio Pochettino in some form or fashion. And, you know, the fact that he was willing to piss that away, not only go to Chelsea, but go to this fucking mess. is just like, I mean, it's pathetic, it's sad, but also fuck him. Yeah, I I mean, I don't don't disagree. And, you know, I think for Pochettino, you know, you look at a guy like Unai Emery, who flamed out of PSG and Arsenal and, you know, had a, a very similar kind of career track that he's on and finding the level that he did at Villarreal and now Aston Villa is like, I, know, I hope he finds a club like that, that he can be successful at and for his sake, you know, but. I, th- I think the sad thing to me about Pochettino is like, he had that at Spurs and I know that we did not, 
do everything we could have to set them up for success. And we certainly as a club, we own a lot of what went wrong there, but like, did he like was clearly jonesing for like to go to that elite level to go to the next level where like transfers just weren't such an ordeal where but I think you know, he wanted that at Spurs. Like, yeah, I think, he, the case I think for here. a while, but that was a guy who was like jonesing to go to like Real Madrid or Manchester United. I think he wanted that. And just, I'm, like, I'm not saying that like, you know, if things had gone a little better, he wouldn't have foregone forced to like pass that up. But you know, like, I think he wanted that. And there was something, like, the thing I always said when that was rumors would come up is, like, he's never going to have it better than he has at Spurs. He is so beloved. He can throw his weight around so much. And it just, you know, I don't think I don't think he'll ever have that again. And he'll Do never have think, that with Spurs fans question, again. And I think that's question. sad. Do you think if he had won the Champions League, he would have jumped ship for uh, a bigger club? I think he would have retired for a year, probably. And I don't think anything he would have done after that would have mattered. Like, you know, he if he wins the Champions League at Spurs... Like, who cares? I could talk about how Spurs were European champions and shove that up. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, for him, like, you're talking about, like, he had his eye on a bigger prize. Do you think he would have used that as a launch pad to go to Madrid or whatever? I think he would have taken a year off or something, and I think he would have gone to Madrid. Yeah, I think that would have happened. I think think if he wins a Champions League with Spurs, I think he can write his own ticket after that. And maybe not immediately, but I think he goes to... You know, I don't think he goes to Chelsea. I don't think that happens. Um, I don't, maybe not even Manchester United, but I think he definitely ends up at Real Madrid. Like, I do think that something, some version of that probably happens. I think after this, you know, I think he's going to end up at like a, you know, like I said, like probably not um, athletic club because they're doing really well right now. But, you know, I think he ends up at that sort of like mid Yeah, maybe. I mean, you know, that would be a really complicated uh, experience for me. But, you know, that kind of like, mid-table Spanish club that could get in the Champions League or German club that could do that, like something like that. I think that's where he's going to end up. But I do think there is something to be said for, I think, choosing, like, like, I understand it's a lot of money and to some degree you just, like, a situation like Chelsea is such a mess, but, like, I think choosing Chelsea was such a mistake for him. Um, Like, that club is such a mess and you could see, like, if we could see it, they could see it. I know these people are egomaniacs who think they can they're the ones who are going to make it work. But like, that was clearly just such a poison chalice that, you know, I think it was a mistake to go there in the first place. Yeah. Well, I hope his life is full of regret. Yep. Fuck him. <laughs> um, so let's, I want to just talk about some questions cause we got, we got to do a podcast and there wasn't a game this week. So let's talk about some stuff. Um, you know, broader questions. I'm So I have a, um, I know, I know of your love of uh, Aaron Lennon, so I wanted to uh, bring this question sort of into the forefront, uh, which is, what player do you think you saw at Spurs where you saw the absolute best version of them that you wouldn't have seen anywhere else? Like, wh- what player do you think passed through Tottenham that, like, that combination of moment, time, teammates, manager, whatever, like, you know, like, I think Luka Modric, for example, like, we would have seen some version of that. I mean, we they, they, we saw it at Madrid. We saw a better version of it at Madrid. But, like, he's probably going to succeed somewhere regardless. But what player do you think passed through Tottenham that you saw the absolute best version of? So, because in this scenario, you know, we're obviously eliminating guys like Modric and Bale or even Berbatov who left us for greener patches and did I think you really could argue well. Berbatov. I think you could argue you saw the best version of Berbatov while he was at Spurs. But, like, yeah, I, I think know. with he Bale and Modric. 30-goal yeah. season at Man U, that was pretty fucking great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so okay, so let me just I'm just gonna pin down the parameters here. So this means a guy 
it's just a guy who we didn't I don't know a guy who just if it weren't for the circumstances of Spurs it might not have been yes worth anything yes hmm interesting do you have an answer to this uh in your pocket um if not I'll I'll, I'll... no no I mean I have I have like like my laziest answer is Michael Dawson, who <laughs> I think was just here at a time, and you know I think I love Michael Dawson so much, but like it was not a Champions League caliber player, I don't think. But by virtue of being in this team, rose to that occasion so well. Um, you know the two thousand nine two thousand ten season when he got us there. And, you know, the couple of years afterwards, he was such a rock for us. And I think that's a that's a guy who easily could have played out his career in like yo-yo clubs. And it was nice to see him, you know, excel at that level. I'm I'm tempted to say someone like. An Aaron Lennon or something, but I feel like Aaron Lennon would have been. Like, you know, like he, he has a skill set that it's not like other teams wouldn't have figured out how to use yeah. it. Um, I want to say, like, and maybe you'll disagree with me on this. I want to say Musa Dembele because I'm not sure there are a lot of teams that would have built a midfield around him. Now, I know in like retrospect, that seems like a very obvious thing to do, but both in terms of how Spurs facilitated it and that they were willing to do it, especially after a year where they were not willing to do it. Because I still think. Uh, maybe I'm maybe I'm miscalibrating my opinion. This I think Dembele is. I think we use him in a very unique way that not every team would have it would have committed to. And I I I think what we did with him was not going to be duplicated, at least in a lot of places, if not any other place. So no, I, would, I don't know. I I mean I obviously love Musa Dembele. Yeah, yeah. And but the thing is, is Fulham were basically using him that way already. And man, you were interested. And I, I feel like think... Fulham was using him a little more forward. Like, and no, he really was just like the deeper, same was... kind of deep midfielder. Like that's okay. what Martin Yule turned him into that guy, and he had a performance against Man U that was so comprehensive that it forced like everybody to sit up and take notice for a minute. And that's that's really, I think, the game that made us buy him. And man, you were also interested in after watching him steamroll them for 90 minutes. And I think he could have landed at man U after that and also been that guy. Like the, the real work for Dembele was Yol turning him into a midfielder. That mm-hmm. was a special thing that happened. And I think he was particularly well suited to Pochettino's football. And I think it was a great platform for him, but I don't know that it was an inevitable platform. For so I have another answer that if we're going to rule him out that, cause I do think just like Spurs went to such a high level with him. And I just, again, with, with Dembele, I'm not sure another team would have built their midfield around him in the same way. Maybe they would have, but I'm, I still think he was a bit of an odd duck in that regard. There aren't a lot of other players like him. And, you know, I think that's a little strange. I think Vandervaart might be, uh, another mm, answer to this in terms of like i think vandervart was an interesting like he wasn't as good as other people at his position but like in terms of where he was and where spurs were and what he offered 
like I think we just like it was a perfect marriage for those two years and probably yeah. could have been for another year or two. And he was just so stellar for us in a way that I'm not sure he would have been at other clubs. Now, I'm not going to pretend I watched any of him at any other club he ever played for. But I just think that was such a perfect marriage and such a unique, like in terms of where he was in his career, where we were in our sort of ascent up the English pyramid. Like it was just a really outstanding time. And I think, you know, you read the way he talks about us. I think like he knows it too. That was sort of the highest level he ever performed at. Yeah. I mean, I think he was great enough for Hamburg that Real Madrid Mm -hmm. bought him. Um, But he was the exact perfect kind of luxury we could afford. Like it was, he's a guy who, you know, didn't do enough to play at a better team, but did so much that it was worth carrying his deficiencies for us. And he made us so good. Was perfect for our manager. Absolutely perfect for uh, Harry Redknapp, like the perfect sort of Redknapp player. And I, I, you know, it's funny because there's all the, the, you know, what he did to his wife afterwards. But like, I mean, I mean, Vandervaart's the first Spurs player I really fell in love with because like he really came in like Bale was exploding at that time, but like, you know, I became a fan in 2010 and like Vandervart, like watching him celebrate against like Inter when he scored that goal against Inter at White Hart Lane was, you know, uh, that was one of the first like real connection, like strong connections I had with the club, like just getting that excited about a player who could do those things. And he was just fun to watch, man. Like, I mean, we're talking about best, but he was just, God, he was so good, especially that first year. He was just so good and fun and like what you want. And I think that was a perfect situation. So I'd say, if we're not going to say Dembele, I'd say Vandervaart. Yeah, that's a good answer. I think, you know, the sad answer is Deli Alley. Who, yeah, you yeah, know, that is <laughs> like the, the fact that he came from League One to our first team when we were on the come up, like, and just hit the ground running. So, like, that is just like a perfect moment in time and need and whatever that like made that happen. Um, you know, the counterfactual <laughs> that I don't want to think about is like, was it too much too soon? Could he have had a better? life and career if it had been a little slower but like man that explosion over those few years for spurs is just that was a special thing that do you think another team would have utilized him in that way or it was just he just fit us so well i don't think anybody would have bought a guy that young from again a league one team and put him out there that quickly maybe i mean he was good enough that like maybe somebody would have but you know, like we didn't until injury kind of forced our hand and then he just sort of wrote his own ticket. I don't know if that happens anywhere else. Mm. Like he's obviously good enough to have played at that level at some point, but the circumstances that allowed it to happen, I think were pretty unique. Yeah, it's just it feels like in most circumstances he goes plays for Bournemouth or someone for like two or three years and then you know right. goes to a United maybe works or his whatever. way up the ladder yeah as opposed to instantly in a title race with spurs um which is kind of insane to think about uh moving on to another question since we're talking about players what player were you most wrong about it could be good or bad i want to be very clear like this doesn't have to yeah. be a negative it's probably going to be a negative for both of us but what player were you most wrong about i mean my wrongs the the wrongs that i believed in were Tom Carroll, Ryan Mason, Harry Wiggs. Like, I, there was a time I didn't even know it. 
Like I believed in these youth guys that like they were good enough and we just needed to give them the moment and they would shine. And I was just so wrong. <laughs> I, don't I mean, know. for, for me, it's, it's Lo Celso. I thought Lo Celso was a star. I thought he was exactly what we needed and it just, you know, and more so than other players, it just didn't work out for a whole variety of reasons, but I, I thought it was Lo Celso. Yeah, I guess I would have to say in Dombele along those exact same lines. Um, and then Roberto Soldado, who I think it was just the most shocking disappointment. Like, there was no more of a slam dunk player, I think, that we've ever signed. A guy who had had, like, 20 goal seasons, like, eight years in a row or something. And, uh, whoops. The thing, and this might not be fair or realistic, my, like, in terms of just how I, like, remember Soldado, it was much more of, like, he was, it was a product of him just being in a team that was, like, not, like, it, like the whole team was just misfiring, and it was a bad situation to be in. And it's funny, because you yeah, could say that about Indomble, you could say that about Lo Celso, like, but it just, it felt like they had a lot more to do with the reason the team wasn't being successful than, which is not, especially Lo Celso was hurt. Obviously not true. That's how, like, it feels to me in my memory, is that, like, Soldado just walked into a bad situation and everything snowballed. Whereas, like, the fact that Ndombele and Lo Celso weren't good immediately is part of the reason that everything was a disaster. And I don't think that that's accurate, but that's how it feels to me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I feel like I, there's like a long list of guys I wrongly believed in, like Lewis Holtby, Giovanni Dos Santos. Uh, Oof. Kevin Prince Boateng. <laughs> you know, so many guys that we, I got excited about. Adele like at least Lewis, Adele at least like, is the wrongest I've ever been about anything in my life. That guy, God, I swear to God. Oh, is this ABB count? Can I say ABB? That's like the wrongest <laughs> yeah, I've ever been about anything in my life. That's true. Um, Jesus. Now it's Lacelso is like, and I know I was like attached to him because I like saw him right before we went and bought him. But that's like, I just thought that was like everything we needed to replace Erickson and do something different. And God, it didn't work out at all. And I don't even think, you know, you look at like a Soldado or a Lewis Holtby or a Tom Carroll or you know, those are guys that I think you can lay a, a little bit more of the blame at their feet. Like, like I do think Lacelso is responsible for some of the problems that we've had, but I also think like God, he just like him and Ndombele just walked into like the worst situation imaginable, and it didn't get better until like last summer. Um, yeah, but those body failing him has uh, obviously not helps help things. I'm trying to think of the flip side, guys who I were like, this guy is not good, and then I have had to eat my words about. I think in hindsight, a, one. a guy I'm prepared to be charitable about in a way that I wasn't at the time is probably Nasser Chadley, who <laughs> is a guy whose limitations I'm you know were real and whatever, but like. He scored a lot of important goals for us, and I've seen a lot worse come through here <laughs> since then in a way that, you know, he's no Brian Heal. <laughs> I'm, I'm prepared to be forgiving, um, and I regret being as harsh as I was. Man, I'm trying to think. Who was I? Like, Danny Rose probably is the guy I was wrongest about. Like, there was a time where I was like, what the 
fuck is this guy doing out here? And like, you know, obviously his his debut gang goal against Arsenal sort of built him up a reservoir of goodwill. But I think, you know, God, I can't remember when exactly it happened. There was certainly a period where like when he was around the team, if you you know, if you weren't a little like, oh God, like I mean, I think you're lying to yourself a little bit, like you know, but especially before Pochettino got here, I mean, probably under AVB, I think is when Rose was at sort of his, I don't want to say nadir, because it got worse later on, but like, you know, like, at his like, what is he doing here phase, and then like, Pochettino taught him how to play fullback, so I think, is that is that a weird thing to say, especially since I wasn't around for his debut goal against Arsenal, like, Danny Rose is the guy I was sort of like, yeah, no, I mean, I think, that's, on that, I think that makes sense not being around for that, because you didn't have that memory to like bolster any good feelings you just see him get like a red card and you're like this guy is not a fullback why are we trying to do this yes yeah who is uh when you think of like you know because our favorite thing to talk about like games are nice but really transfer window is why we're all fans um like what's the near miss that like you remember the most like or that like sticks in your crawl signing wise yeah let's i mean you can I mean, near miss is not winning a Champions League, but like, you know, oh, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, like in terms of player acquisitions, like, like what's the near miss or like, God, I can't like, if we fucking got that guy, like, or the fact uh, that we didn't get him just sticks in your craw. Yeah. In Hazard. I, said, like, I don't think that's real. Like it, every Spurs fan real. but me is convinced. Look, every so, Spurs fan but me feels that way. I'm just like, he was just fucking all, talking to people. All of the reporting was, had we qualified for the Champions League that year, he was coming to Spurs, and then Chelsea beat Bayern in the final, and then Chelsea got a Champions League spot, and Chelsea got his arm. Uh, maybe it's not true, but like, if it is true, that's haunting. That that that. I mean, that's. You know, I mean, if, if it is true, you're right. I just, you know, butterfly flaps its wings and you don't know what happens next, <laughs> but like that would have been a trans qualifying for the Champions League and getting Hazard is a transformative thing for this team. That, yes. You know, it meant it would have meant different things. I don't know. Like maybe Harry Redknapp is still our manager today. <laughs> I don't know. We would never have had the Pochettino era. Maybe AVB we would have gone well. AVB era, yeah. An AVB um, era with Hazard and Gareth Bale in the same fucking team. Like, I don't know. <laughs> like, well, I'll stick in the same era because mine's Moutinho. Um, I thought that guy was it. And I think he has had a fine career, but relatively disappointing compared to, like, I think what he was touted as. But, like, especially after we lost Modric, like, I thought, like, oh, we've fucking solved our midfield problem. It's perfect. It's, this guy's worked with our manager. He does all these midfield things that, like, we could use. And I know, like, he is not, like, had a career nearly at the level that I think uh, you would have thought when he was at Porto. Um, but there's that like part of me and like, you know, I think AVB was a fraud and awful and all this other shit. But like, I do wonder how that year would have gone if we got Moutinho and what that would have looked like. Um, I think about that a lot. So it's funny because not getting Moutinho, I think got us Dembele. So yes, you're, that's a very good yeah. point. <laughs> um, but no, I think Moutinho, like he, I mean, he played very well for Wolves for a really long time, you know, in like the twilight of his career, like he was still good. And I thought, I remember thinking at the time, I, I think I wrote an article on cartilage, a website. Some of us might remember. Uh, 
about how we don't need him because we had Sandro and Dembele and that was the future of Tottenham's midfield. And that would have been correct, I think, if Sandro could have stayed remotely healthy. But if we had had a midfield of like Dembele and Moutinho, that might have been something. Well, because I think the thing that we never, and we were so good at everything else, we never had that deep-lying passer again in our midfield. We still don't. And that was... That's like in my head, like I got poisoned into thinking like, oh, you just get a guy like Modric and you put him at the base of your midfield and let him run forward. Um, I'll tell you, that, here's another guy I hadn't thought about in a while. He's a near miss, Schneiderlin. Like I thought he was going to be oh, like yeah. our Moutinho, like where it's like, oh, he's going to, we're going to undermine the Pochettino era before it's even gotten started. And he was, he got his transfer to United and was like, like their Hoiberg, I feel like, <laughs> like you know, yeah. just this like guy who was never as good as he should have been uh for them and you know that was a guy that's like the captain of our all like our our we're like we're gonna get relegated if we don't buy this player 11 i feel like there there was a period where we all were very invested in morgan schneidel and joining spurs that's that's a real remember some guys kind of yeah, guy the- <laughs> Yeah, it's not quite Leandro Damiao <laughs> levels, but Leandro Damiao has to be like our <laughs> has to be the best instance of like mass psychosis among Spurs <laughs> fans, where we were all just like, like I guarantee you the number of Spurs fans who like watched any like sizable amount of minutes of Leandro Damiao like you could put on two hands, but like we were all convinced like this is the guy we're gonna solve our striker problem like. You know, and the fact that we had like Harry Kane in our academy uh, is like speaks that. I'll tell you, in terms of uh, maybe going back a little bit, like guy I was wrong about was Adebayor, who I think doesn't get the level of respect he might deserve from Spurs fans because he was played for us in a very weird era. He was very productive for this team. And for a team that was just dying for a striker for years, like, you know, he had like a couple years of 15 goal seasons and was just like, I don't know. Like Adebayor is much better for us than I thought he was going to be and probably realized that he was at the time. Yeah. I think he had like an 18 goal season or something with a bunch of assists. Uh, I mean, you know, it's always dubious signing an ex Arsenal player, but an ex Arsenal player who ran the full length of the pitch at the Etihad (laughs) knee slide in front of them. For no obvious (laughs) reason. It should be clear. Whatever like animus or bitterness he had towards Arsenal were not like obvious to us as fans. Like, so kudos to him. Yeah. I was happy to embrace Adebayor. (laughs) Um, who I alluded to this at the beginning, but who who has been your favorite player at Spurs that you have watched ever? Yes, Dimitar Berbatov. Really? Okay, yeah, I thought you were no, going to go in a different direction with that. So no, it's no question. Who did you think I was going to say? Lennon. I thought you were going to say Aaron Lennon, not just because you're a communist, <laughs> but like also because you love Aaron <laughs> Lennon. But no, uh, I do love Aaron Lennon. Aaron Lennon is a guy who. Just never it was. It's just very inconsistent, and I mean, we all know Aaron Lennon. He was very good. Never had the like production to go with his like wing play that you really wanted from like a star. Um, I do like my big Aaron Lennon thing is I just I feel like he grew up in a time where we played the world played traditional wide men and the game started transitioning around him to guys who, you know, come in from the wing and score goals or guys like David Silva, who like kind of create from these sort of inside wide 
positions like Erickson did or whatever. And I do think Lennon had the skills to have been more than just a fast touchline guy, but it just just didn't happen for him just timing wise in like the way football happened around him. And I think he really could have been more than he was, but I love Aaron Lennon and I think he was a very special player on his day. He was so fun to watch. There was that match. I don't know if I'm misremembering it, but there was that match where I think under AVB, both Aaron Lennon and Gareth Bale dribbled Arsenal's keeper in the same match. And it was just like, like in my mind, like that's what Aaron Lennon could be. Like he did that. It was just so good. Like right. Like I think he could have been like much more Raheem Sterling like mm-hmm. I think is a probably a better comparison. And a guy who just like is a more interior player and is capable of that and just didn't get to develop into that kind of player because that wasn't a guy that existed when he came up. So what was uh, it about Verbatov that you loved? He was uh, it, it I, I don't know. He just defies language for me. He, <laughs> you want to get a cigarette out? You want to, you know, relive honestly, the old days? Like, just like, click that in front of the microphone. You know, I, I mean, part of it is, I think, certainly like a level of like naivete that, like, I was not as familiar with the world of football, and you know, that like, I didn't have a, a lot of context, I guess, to situate him in, but. He was just so mesmerizing on the ball. His touch, his sort of languid nature, he never looked like he was trying until all of a sudden he was shockingly fast and strong. Um, But like his touch, his flicks, his, you know, finishing ability is just the total package. He just had so much in his locker. He was such a saucy player and so clinical to go with it. And, I mean, he could he could just do everything. He was great in the air. He was great hold up player, great passer, great finisher. Like again, had surprising speed. It, you know, you see the things that like go around. I think clips wise of him are like him taking the ball out of the air at like a dead stop, or him like doing a little flip flap on a touch line before you know po- toe poking it past the keeper, and like that was the kind of thing he just did so frequently that like, you don't even see anybody doing that, you know, these days. Uh, He was, he was just magic. He was just a magical footballer. I think I had a similar experience with Vandervaart and I'm not saying Vandervaart was as good as Berbatov because he wasn't. But when I, you know, like when I got into Spurs, it was after 2010 world cup, which I enjoyed, which like no person from Europe seems to share that opinion, at least outside of Spain. And, um, you know, I was like looking for a team and I was reading and watching and all this other stuff. And all the stuff I read about Spurs, like, was very attractive to me. But the player who, like, really embodied it to me was Vandervaart. All that, like, the tricks. And I know I've talked about already on this podcast, but, you know, the, the, like, I don't know, artistry seems like a little too highfalutin. But, you know, all that sort of the flair to his play was really embodied with all the stuff you'd read about Spurs, the way this team played, what the ethos was. That just sounds a lot like sort of what happened with you and Berbatov, and obviously that's a higher level than Vandervaart. But, um, you know, like, I think we had very similar experiences with the first players that we both fell in love with on this team, guys who really, you know, had some inventiveness and weren't, like, you know, were a little like trying to do things a little more difficult than maybe they had to, to make it look pretty. Uh, and, you know, I, I, it's interesting that we both have very, very similar reactions to different players. 
Um, Cause I think we're in a very similar space on this one. Yeah. I mean, you know, I love a flair player, you know, it's. Mm-hmm. That's why we love Madison. I, honestly, it's I, Madison. We've talked about it on this podcast. Madison's like the perfect player for Spurs. And I think he does a lot more than either of those guys does in terms of a team player, but he's got some of that in his locker. Yeah. Like Harry Kane is a guy who is, you know, obviously in the top like three or four players to ever come through this club. <laughs> like no question. Um, but there's something about like the way he plays that didn't always set my pulse racing, you know, yeah. like he would have finishes that were outrageous and, you know, would surprisingly dribble a guy. Honestly, it was like, his passing was the thing that made me appreciate him as he developed that aspect of his game. Like I loved him a lot more as the guy assisting son, I think than I did as the guy scoring 30 goals. If that makes sense. It's just, there was a sense of the spectacular about that, that I don't think his goals, his goal scoring, which was always impressive. Didn't always have, um, you know, I was always much more of a, an Erickson guy than than a mm-hmm. Kane guy in in the Pochettino era. Well, even Sonny, like you want to talk about? I mean, I think Sonny does have that touch of spectacular to his goal score. I mean, I, Sonny's just a good goal. All scorer. his goals are spectacular. But like, he does have that element of like, I'm gonna fucking hit the shit out of this ball and put it in a tough angle. And like, Kane could do that. Like, I don't think I'll ever see a Spurs player score a better goal than that. Like horizontal goals Kane scored against Arsenal, but that isn't really a Kane goal. That's not what he sort of, what his bread and butter is. Whereas like son does score just fucking insane goals all the time. And, you know, I think like, that's probably a reason like he might not jump out to me for, I don't know why, but you know, maybe cause just he didn't hit me at, you know, like Vandervart was when I became a Spurs fan, but like Sun's probably gonna be my all-time favorite Spurs player when he retires. I mean, if he isn't already, because I mean, partly he's a lovely human being and he loves being at Spurs, which goes a long way. And Harry could take a few lessons from. But um, you know, like yeah, there's that element of the spectacular that I think really sets some of these guys apart. And you know, I mean, Sun's not like dribbling, you know, like doing weird pirouettes and stop starts and all this other stuff, but. Yeah, he does have those spectacular goals in his locker. And I think that's the kind of thing that sets him apart from a guy like Kane, who, you know, just to be clear, is almost assuredly going to be the best player of the past through Tottenham in my lifetime. I think it's still um, Gareth Bale. God, you think? I mean, I think if that, that's a peak versus body of work argument, I feel yeah, like. Yeah, certainly. But he's just saying, like, I mean, Modric also is a guy. I mean, who, it's Bale. It's ba- if, you're, if you're going through for peak, I think it's Bale. I don't think we'll ever see anyone like Bale was that like one season under AVB. Like, yeah, I mean, Modric is obviously one of the best midfielders to ever play the game, you know, 1A or 1B in the conversation, I think. Uh, you know, we had very little time with him, and certainly I don't think at his optimal best. Um, but, you know, obviously special player. Gareth Bale that one Gareth Bale year was like such a special thing that. Well, there's also like just, you know, and I've said this a lot on this podcast that like Bale just had that physicality that Kane never had, but there is something about having a player with that kind of physicality. You could just, he could blow by guys. He can knock dudes over. He can hit incredible shots. It's just, 
you know, it's 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 what makes Ronaldo so impressive at his peak. It's it's the kind of thing where if you are a player like Messi, you almost need to be that much better than a guy like Ronaldo because that level of physicality is so just naturally eye-catching. Yeah, he was such a steamroller. I mean, he was Kane and Son in one person, you know, yes. a lot of time. And, like, honestly, like, more technically capable than either. Even when Bale came back uh, under Mourinho, you would see him, like, pull out little, like, footwork moves that were just like, how does this guy still doing this? I mean, if there's anything to really lay it, like, I, I think we do, Spurs fans don't complain enough how Mourinho wasted that season. We do. I think we do every no, time. I don't it think comes we do. Up. I we don't do. think we complain about we it do. enough. <laughs> okay, we do. But um, I think it's underrated how much he wasted that year because um, I think Bale still was pretty incredible. And, like, if you put him under Ange, like, holy shit. Um, I'll, I'll say. An unpopular, I mean, an insane thing is the thing that keeps me from like, I love Sun. I'm not going to say I don't love Sun. But the thing that keeps him from that like special player from him is he's just, he's just, I like, I would rather watch Ndombele fake out the camera and then give away the ball. And it was in terms of like the things I like watching on a football pitch more than I like watching Sun, you know, finish immaculately from anywhere around the 18 yard box it's just like the thing that gets me to sit up is is way dumber shit than that and so you know i like guys who are have more flair than sun does like sun's amazing it's no, it's funny i'm not gonna that- pretend that like flair makes a good player but the the guys that like find a real home in my heart are the guys who do dumb bullshit often without purpose that's adele trapped is you know a guy who no i I, know? I understand what you're saying even though you know like i i don't quite understand why you prefer like indomble eating a kebab as he pirouettes in midfield um but how many people can do that at the same time <laughs> well not him. Um, but, you know, like, I think one thing that's interesting about Son is, like, he is this sort of, like, very meat and potatoes direct, very good, very meat and potatoes direct player. But I do think there is this, like, until it comes to his goal scoring, and that's where the flair is with Son, that, yep. like, is so impressive about him, is that he's able to, like, uncork these ridiculous passes. And I think, again, I think maybe it's probably because Spurs haven't won anything, but I think the thing that really gets overlooked about Son is, like, you know, like that is a man who showed up when it counts. Like, and maybe I'm overrating that like Champions League like campaign, but like, yeah, when the big games are on and the lights are on and it's it's like it, it matters. Harry Kane wasn't always there. Hunming son, like that guy fucking was scoring important goals and telling yep. Pep Guardiola to suck his dick. Like it was like you know, it's it's like that is a man who is not shrink from the moment, who was scored when it mattered and you know, and they all look great. Like, I mean, he scores so many good goals. Like, it's it's. I, I God, I'm so happy. We he's he's his first player. <laughs> like, yep. let's ride that guy till the wheels come off. I love him so much. Yep. Nope. That's all true. Sonny is he's, the it's, the biggest big game player for us. He is the scorer of the spectacular. He has carried us through a lot of dark times. I I love him. I'm. I guess I'm just. I'm an assists guy, not You're a hipster. Guy You're a hipster. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you the funny thing about Sun, um, and this is obviously a limited, bizarre sample size, but like my son likes Spurs. My three year old son 
likes Spurs largely because I like Spurs. So he gets excited about it. And when he goes to play soccer, he wants to be a Spurs player because I like Spurs. The player who gets his attention, the player who he like likes and identifies and understands his son. Like that's the guy. And I know it's because he scored goals, but like, you know, that's the guy that my son will like, when we go to soccer class on a Saturday morning, I'm like, he's like, I'm getting his clothes out and he's like, I want to be sunny today. So I get him his little sun jersey and put it on him. And like, I do think part of it's because I love Tottenham and sun scores goals, but like, I think there's something about him that he can, even at his age, he can pick up on and recognize. And I don't know. I don't even know where this conversation started, but God bless son. He's just wonderful. I love him so much. And I'm so happy he's his first player. Amen. Amen. Um, we have a few questions from our listeners. Uh, this comes from a first-time <laughs> listener. Not them. Huh? I, I assumed these were them. All right, what do no, the, no, the listeners have? These were all from Greg, so they were oh, much better. Okay. Um, this comes from our first-time <laughs> listener, Reno Wallabout, who, you know, we just love it when you hear our podcast for the first time. Uh, he wants to know, uh, Ben, I think this is very important for you. What three films do you think Vicario, the the new cinephile on our roster, what, what do you think, what three films do you think he bought uh, from the recent Criterion sale? I'm sorry. Did we establish that he's the cinephile? Yes, uh, I think maybe last week we established this, but yeah, Vicario is our new cinephile. You know, is did Venom get a Criterion release that I'm not uh, aware not of yet? But you know, like now that uh, Vicario is an avid cinephile, we don't know. So. <laughs> uh, okay. I can start. Let me start because I actually Please have a start. good answer for this. It is three copies of Gamora. Because uh, if you go look at the copy of Gamora, if you go look at the Criterion c- cover for this, it is a shaved head uh, Italian man walking around in tidy whities and some Converse. And I think that is, um, you know, I think this is very something that Vicario has probably done in life. I don't know if he's had the AK-47 while I did this, but like, you know, I think he could identify with that. So, Great answer. Do you, do you have any other uh, any any other movies you think Vicario might be interested in? No, you know, as an said, Italian keeper. He said shaved head, and it made me think of Lahane, which is a features a shaved headed man. Uh, you know, it's about you know three youths in the in the slums of Paris, uh, rebelling against the police state that they live in. And I, I think I think Vicario is a pretty progressive guy. All right, so we have that. We have Gamora. What else? What else do we have? Um, I think he got portrait of a lady on fire because he just for the good reasons or the bad reasons. The good reasons. He's just okay. A, I don't know. Not because there's lesbians in it for. It's just a progressive guy. Fair enough. Fair Support, enough. Supports women filmmakers. Fair enough. That's good. I'm. 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 You know. I mean. He's bringing Ukrainian refugees into his house. He's supporting women filmmakers. We we believe in Vicario. We is, you know, his outlook on life. Uh, I DM. I, I don't know enough about Vicario to really have like good bit sense around him. Who is? I feel like Vicario? I feel like you know he's very aggressive. Like getting in people's faces. I don't know. I feel like there's some like you know like some punk type uh, you know Criterion releases. You know something something along those lines. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, sure. Sure. All right. He got uh, Daisies, which is a feminist Czech avant-garde film. <laughs> sure. Sure. Um, DMV Spurs wants to know, which of the current Chelsea squad was the oldest bedwetter as a child, and why is it Mudrick? 
<laughs> yeah. I mean, that's a pretty good. That's pretty good. I'll, I'll, I'll give it to him. Right? <laughs> yeah, I'll give it to him. I mean, if it's I mean, not him, it's it's Nico Jackson. Well, I mean, talk about somebody who knows how to wet a bed. Like you're, you're certainly right about that. So, um, let's see. If you could join one, this comes from Eric Cromwell on uh, Twitter. He wants to know if you could join one Spurs player for an off-season vacation, who would it be, and where would you go? And would it be taking Madison to Harry Potter Land? I don't know. You're you're the closest thing we have to a Disney adult on this podcast, Ben. Oh, Jesus so. Christ! First of all, Brian lives in Florida. Yeah, yeah, but you have actual Disney adults in your family, so you know. I feel like oh, you're a little bit closer. Family. I married into this. <laughs> this is, like, not, which is worse? Which is worse? Disney adults me. or Arsenal fans? Which is which is worse? Yeah, I get it. I have both, and they're the same people. It's. I mean, it's it's a, a probably a pretty good. Overlapping Venn diagram. So, who would you want to go on vacation with on the Spurs squad? I mean, the obvious answer for us would be Pedro Porro to Lisbon. Um, you know, where we can all relive our greatest successes. But other than that, uh, I think I think Basuma is the guy who knows how to party and yes. would show me a good time. Like, show you a good time, or show you like a we're going to make a documentary about this good time. A good time. Okay. I think James Madison would just like take you to the darts. Like that's not a guy you want to go on vacation with. Yeah, yeah, I think I, I agree with you. James Madison, you're just gonna have too many pints with. Like, which you know, isn't yeah, go, bad. I'd go out with James Madison. Yes. I don't know that I would travel with James <laughs> Madison. That is a fair like, you know, do I need to go to Malaga with James Madison? No, I don't need to do that. So like James Madison is like halfway to Jack Grealish and like by virtue of only getting halfway there, it's just the boring part. I don't think he has the just. No one's going to get alcohol poisoning. Yeah, no one's like, going to wake up in prison. Like, you're just going to be hungover the next day. Like, I think there's some obvious parallels between the two, but it's just like. He's just a more boring version of that. Who has worse hair? Oh, Creelish. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know who else would be a good travel companion. Do you got anybody? I think Vicario would be a good travel companion, but I'm not sure where he would be a good travel companion to. Like, like I don't think Italy. Like, I don't think that's where Vicario would really shine as a traveling companion. So I'm not sure. Like, the Caribbean? Like, like I don't know. Like, I, I feel like Vicario would be a good travel companion somewhere. I feel like he's a guy who takes you on an adventure where you don't know where it begins or yes. ends. Yes. <laughs> Like, he would be a good guy to go, like, downtown in Manhattan with. And, like, I don't know where this night's going to end, but it's going to be kind of nuts. Like, right. like Vicario feels like... money in my pocket? Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> like, Vicario feels like that kind of guy. Like, why am I wearing... Why have I woken up wearing, like, a Czech keeper jersey from the 1990, like, World Cup? Like, I don't know. Because right? he just watched Daisies and enjoyed their avant-garde filmmaking. <laughs> exactly. Look at the way we tie all this together. I'm very happy with this. Um... I don't know. I'm trying to think if there's anyone else on Spurs who would be like a good travel man. Uh, Brennan Johnson, absolutely not. Um, you know, I bet Ben Davis would be a really good tour guide travel companion. Like he would show you the sights. He would have Red Frommers cover to cover. No, like Brennan he, Johnson would be a good trip with with a good couples trip. Like you go with him and his wife. Or uh, sorry, Ben Davies would be a good like you and your wife or girlfriend or significant other would just. Go with him and his uh and his wife to somewhere, and you would have a great time. 
it wouldn't be wild, but yeah, you're right. Like he would know all the tourist locations or the good restaurants and it'd be you know. very well planned. You wouldn't have yes. to worry about anything. Yes. Yeah. I would put um, myself in Ben Davis's capable hands. Christian Romero in Las Vegas would be, you know, you'd be in jail by the end of the weekend. I feel like. Yeah, no, you'd be bailing him out of jail by the end of the weekend, and you'd be like, ah, fucking this fucking guy. <laughs> yeah, Christian Romero in, like, Mexico City. Like, somebody just, like, why do you have a bloody shirt on? I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? Who could say? Yeah, that's a dark version of, like, the Vicario journey. <laughs> it's like, I don't want to go on that journey with Romero. I try, are there any, are there any other, like, real notable... You know, like I don't know, Dragushin is like we don't really know too much about him. We can, we can, I think we can do some bits around him. Like, so yeah, you know, you just a weekend in Bratislava. Like, I don't, I don't know where Dragushin's taking me. Just like random places in Eastern Europe, like <laughs> tell you you got to see this show and you don't know what's going on and you can't remember it the next day. Yeah, I mean, you'd probably end up at like a pretty cool warehouse party <laughs> in you know a bombed out you know Soviet block kind of. Uh, <laughs> At a rave in a park- silo. At a rave in a parking garage that gets broken up by the security forces for reasons you don't fully understand. Yeah. Who's the worst? Who who would you absolutely not want to go on a vacation with? Brandon Johnson. <laughs> Johnson. <laughs> I I mean, not because of Brandon Johnson, but because I would have a few and I would have to tell Brandon Johnson how I feel about his signing and I, I would feel bad about that I feel like Son because I feel like I just I, I don't want to get to know him better I just want to admire him from afar but like Richarlson I feel like could be really annoying I feel like Richarlson's the kind of guy who's like lecturing you about a lot of stuff that he's interested in that you're not interested in or showing you tattoos that you don't really want to see yeah uh, no I think so I think Son is probably just a boring guy like, yeah, he does seem just a little too buttoned up to be a fun traveling man. I think Richarlison would be fun. I think I feel Richarlison, like Richarlison would be fun in small doses. Richarlison like... Anderson would be a fun travel. Yes. That'd but be I a feel fun like if you, if you just went with Richarlison, you get to a point where it's like, I really don't need to know this much about the rainforest. Like, you I, know, do. I feel like I do need to know that much. About no, the no, rainforest. you would say that. It's a really important at... issue. It's a really important issue, Greg. Yeah, exactly. That's my point. <laughs> like at hour one, you're like, oh, this is really like enriching my knowledge. At hour like three, you're like, all right, can we talk about anything else? And then the anything else turns out to be is like, yeah, but hour six, his shirts off and he's pigeon dancing around the room. Yeah, but then he shirts off and he's telling you about like why he has like you know like an X tattooed on his like thumb and you're just like okay like you know it's time to go to bed but you can't go to bed so you know an x tattooed on his thumb i don't know i'm just like <laughs> trying to say something is it the giant Neymar tattoo on his back which is the <laughs> obvious problem here but yeah i don't know i feel like richard also would talk your ear off about things you don't want to hear about uh but yeah son i just think you're right i think some would be like you know you would just kind of like get bored at looking at his burberry sweaters after a while like the flip side is i would love to take son on a trip after his playing career ended and he can finally let loose in a way that he has never <laughs> let loose before in his life and you when can show him the world yeah <laughs> when his dadager's not around yeah i feel like he would embrace that with such a, such a wonderful attitude <laughs> you know who i feel like would be a fun and also self-destructive trip he's not on spurs anymore but serge aurier i feel like would be like you would just get into some real trouble with serge yeah 
Yeah. Uh, you know who you really get in trouble with is Kyle Walker, uh, and not in a fun way. So, uh, probably not with Serge either, but like, you know, who knows how many families you might have after hanging yeah, out with Kyle Walker. Yeah, taking this to a, a weird weekend. place. I'm talking, you know about I'm talking about enriching Sonny's world and expanding his horizons <laughs> after he's been, you know, machine-like in his devotion to sport. And you're talking about starting new families, horrible people, starting secret families that you tell anyone else about. Well, on that note, uh, Ben, where can people find you on the internet talking about your secret family that you don't share with your wife? Well, you can find me on my private Twitter account (laughs) at Comrade U Spurs, and you can find and his other family can find him at Comrade U Spurs too on Twitter.com. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at uh, Skipjack0079. You can find me on Blue Sky at just plain old Skipjack. Uh, you can find our uh, podcast at WDR Podcast on Twitter. That's WDR as in Wheeler Dealer Radio. For Ben, for Brian, who has hopefully not been apprehended by the authorities, uh, for Brett Rainbow, and of course for uh, Ange. I don't know. Uh, come on, you Spurs, and enjoy your lunch. <laughs>